Hello and welcome to my bullet journal journey. I'm your host, Danny K here with my March update. We are a third of the way through 2021. So it's been a year already. In March, I had what I felt like was a lot of growth and that kind of happened outside of bullet journaling, but it did help my productivity. But I also had a pretty productive run this month that was facilitated by journaling, which then ended in a total crash. So I want to talk about all of that. The month started off phenomenal. I was so productive. I was really busy the beginning of March. We put out a lot of content for the podcast I have with my husband. I put out some art videos on YouTube and TikTok, and I was just really banging stuff out. I felt so great, just like a boss. And I listened to a podcast, which I mentioned in my last podcast called The Mind Love Podcast. Can I say podcast anymore? And it was an interview with Barbara Houston. I have a link in the description below for those interested in listening to it. Just a sidebar, I'm going to try to start doing that. Things I watch or read that I reference here, I want to make sure I can point you in the right direction if you want to check them out. In general, I love the Mind Love podcast and I listen to it on my reset days when I'm cleaning. So that interview, Barbara Hewson is the daughter of the R in H&R Block, but her father never taught her anything about money other than it will always be there. To make a long story short, she divorced her husband, who not only had a gambling addiction, but also controlled their finances, and at some point received a tax bill and realized she had no means to pay it, and a father that said, at that point, you're on your own. So destitute to her anyway, someone who had been accustomed to being very comfortable. She realized that she had to get a job. So she got a job as a journalist and her first assignment was to write about successful women. So she interviewed them. She wrote her articles. She continued to interview them because she was so intrigued. She wrote a book and now she counsels women on finances. She had so many nuggets of wisdom in that podcast that I got out of it that I need a whole spread in my bullet journal with my notes. I even listened to the podcast twice. I favorited it. And a lot of it wasn't even about finances. It was just life in general. So if you go to my Substack, I wrote a piece about indulgences and how I indulge myself and included a picture of the spread there. A link to the Substack is below as well. So some of these nuggets included, and this is a quote-ish kind of from what I remember, you know, your brain can kind of twist it a little bit, but she said, you can never get enough of what you don't really need. 
And I don't know about you, but I can never buy enough nail polish and makeup, fast food, just crap. That is what my money goes to. Crap I don't need. Crap I have to find a place for. And her point was that it'll, it'll never, never fulfill you. And it's very true. Her, the next quote was, confidence is a memory of success. And so for someone like me who suffers from self-doubt, this was very meaningful. In my last podcast, I talked about celebrating our wins and how our bullet journal helps us do that by crossing items off, reviewing collections for projects, letting you see everything that you've done. So having wins is really energizing and motivating to me and is a great counter to the self-doubt. So I just love that quote. She said, find people who are playing at the level you want to play at. This one's really hard. Really hard. How do you find people like this? Is there like a Tinder for friends? that are successful. It's hard for me to find any people, but I would love to find a group of people like this. Success is so motivating and that includes other people's success. I used to get jealous at people's success, especially with social media and particularly when I was younger. But if weight loss taught me anything, it's how hard it really is to achieve something and how much time you have to put into it. And I realize nothing comes easy. Even people who are handed everything, they might be handed a business and they, you know, double it in size or revenue or whatever. Yes, they were handed a business, but they also took it and they put a lot into so much into it that it became much more successful than it already was. And at this point in my life, I can just appreciate and I'm inspired and in awe of that kind of success. And the last thing, which I want to get to later, is she said, the thing you fear is the thing you need to do. So I'm going to talk about this in a second. So I heard this podcast and I was just on a tear in the beginning of the March of the March in the beginning of March. I got a podcast out. I was banging stuff out on my podcast with my husband. I did a cool little leprechaun trap with my daughter before St. Patrick's Day. She just loved that. Another sidebar. Uh, this was never a thing when I was a kid, and I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was lucky to get an Easter basket and an egg hunt. There was no way in hell I was getting a visit by the damn leprechaun. So, uh, these kids these days, the things we do for them. Okay, and sidebar. I got some YouTube videos and TikToks out. My husband and I were having a lot of great communication. So I just had a lot of wins. It was great. I felt so good. So good. And then I hit a wall. I just, boom, just slammed right into it. Now, I've never been productive, so this was kind of a new experience for me, like feeling like I'm a badass, productive mamma jamma to wanting to crawl up on my couch and do nothing for a week. 
It was a really valuable experience because it forced me to one, acknowledge where I was mentally, and then two, think about how I got there. I'm not sure that I can point to one single thing that made me lose momentum, but it was kind of a culmination of several things. So I'm going to get back to the last thing that Barbara Houston said that made an impact where she said, the thing you fear is the thing you need to do. Well, I had been considering what it was that I was afraid to do, and I realized it was coming out about my pursuits to my family and friends, so my art stuff and this podcast. It was funny, I saw a TikTok where this woman had gone viral, and she was telling her mom about the TikTok, and her mom wanted to see her video, and she was like, absolutely not. It's not going to happen. She said she could talk to millions of strangers, but the second her third grade teacher or youth pastor or whoever else she knew briefly at one point in her life found her content, they were getting blocked immediately. I laughed because it really resonated with me. Like, I feel it so hard. It was hard to even tell my husband about my podcast, to send him a link to the podcast, send him a link to my Substack. You know, once you tell your social circle, it's like you're speaking it out into the universe and it becomes real. And there are people who hold you accountable, even unintentionally. And for me, it's this added bit of pressure that I do not handle well. So this was the thing I realized I feared, but maybe I needed to do. In the Mind Love podcast in particular, they said, you know, women need that social support more than men probably and that's definitely true for me like I need a lot of social support so I had posted content earlier in the month to both YouTube and TikTok where I was just painting and one morning I log into TikTok to find out I had a new follower and it was one of my friends so we're in this group chat and I sent a screen cap and it was kind of a big laugh we all had, but I was outed. And so I said, okay, since you know about my TikTok, I also started a YouTube and a podcast and Instagram. And when I listed out everything I was doing, it was like, oh, holy crap. Like, that's a lot of stuff. I, I don't even know what to call it, but I was impressed with myself, but it also kind of sp- spooked me. It made me realize how much I was doing and made me stop and consider whether I was doing too much and think that maybe I needed to narrow my focus a little. So I considered the content I'm producing, which includes art and this podcast, and I decided that I'm conflating the two a little too much. Like they're really two separate projects. So I'm going to create a new Instagram for this podcast devoted only to bullet journaling, not to art as well. But then keep my art account active too. So this was a late night epiphany. So I grabbed a notebook, not my bullet journal, and wrote down a little flowchart and bullet points and later transferred them to my journal. 
do do any of you do that? Like there's some things I haven't really fleshed out yet. So I put them in a separate notepad that I keep with my journal until I'm ready to transfer it to the journal. I finished the bullet journal last month and the way the concept of the bullet journal has evolved from the book to its widespread execution is different in several ways. And this is one of them. The bullet journal in the book is really just a notebook. You put like everything in, just thoughts, rough notes, um, anything really. And it's definitely evolved into more of an artistic endeavor since the book's publishing, I would say. So it's just funny. I can't put anything in the journal until I'm ready to make it a spread. And that means making it pretty. That's probably a problem. But I digress. I realized that my projects were getting a little off track and I needed to spend some time rethinking and reevaluating. But this was hard to do because my birthday was at the end of March. Happy birthday to me. I turned 33 and at this point in my life, birthdays are not exciting or memorable, especially you have so few milestone birthdays. Like my 30th was amazing. Um, but my family was never big on birthdays. I only celebrate now because my daughter loves them and extended family has an expectation that we have to celebrate them. So I had to go to dinner with my dad and then we go to see my in-laws. It just turns into obligations rather than a celebration. Like it's not what I want to do. It's, oh, I have to go see them for my birthday. Like how much sense does that make? If it were up to me, we'd do nothing and I could get shit done that I wanted to do, but I couldn't. And it was a little frustrating, but mentally I had taken a pause on my productive pursuits, both forced and because I felt like I needed to reevaluate, but didn't have the time or the mental bandwidth to do it. So then the week and after we had family come down to town for Easter and I spent the whole weekend dealing with that or the whole week really, you know, getting ready for company, dumbing down my brain so I wouldn't be thinking about all the stuff I'd rather be doing. I had to prepare my house. So it really threw me off my routine. So I had a week of mental block mental fatigue, maybe, then a week of knowing my routine was going to be thrown out of whack because of my birthday. Then, Because, you know, I lost that whole weekend. Like, my birthday was Sunday. Saturday, I had to go out with my dad. Then Sunday, it was birthday stuff, go see my in-laws, that kind of thing. So it was like I just didn't have that weekend at all. Then I had another week of preparing for another lost weekend with family visiting. And this headspace really proved to be a problem because when my family left, they also took my daughter for a few days and my husband and I had a quiet, child-free house. And mentally, I was perceiving it as a monkey wrench being thrown into my routine rather than an opportunity for us to spend time together uninterrupted. 
It's like I was just ready to get back to my routine. And I'm really kicking myself on this one because one of my goals for the year was to have at least two getaways with my husband. And this would have been a perfect opportunity. It's just an instance where I wasn't present in the moment. And I was thinking about the future, like getting back on track, getting things done. And so I wasn't there and I wasn't thinking and I wasted that time not being mentally present for my marriage. It's interesting how when you're not completely there mentally in one area, it just bleeds into every other area. So I, I got burnt out and kind of had a creative block on creating content and art. And then, you know, that crashed. Then my workout routine went to hell. Communication with my husband took a nosedive. I ate like crap. I wasn't drinking enough water. My house turned into a disaster. So not only that, my mood was contagious because my husband slipped into the same frame of mind. And I'm really starting to appreciate how important your environment is, what and who you surround yourself with. And so the first step to me getting out of it was fixing my environment. So like cleaning my desk, my house, catching up on laundry. I wanted to record and post an April plan with me on YouTube. And I did the same thing in March. I planned to record and then scrapped it. So the I had planned kind of mid-March to start, you know, recording the plan with me and then editing. And at the same time was when I slipped into this mental block and it made journaling really, really difficult. Like I have this issue where if someone asks me to make something for them or do something, I feel so much pressure and I'm just completely incapable of doing it. Like my mom asked me to make some paintings for her and it took me two years to do it. And they were like nothing. They were small. Uh, she gave me a scarf I made her to fix because one of the dogs had chewed a hole in it. And it's just been sitting under my desk for over two years. So I just don't deal with pressure well. So all that is to say I felt a lot of pressure trying to get that April plan with me done. And it just backfired and I could not plan at all. So bottom line is you're probably never going to see a plan with me video. Like, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. It's not going to happen. I felt so good about this month and then it just turned into a rut. And I hate that because it's how I'm going to define this month for myself, even though the whole month was not that way. Like I had a lot of personal growth early on and really did get a lot done. Okay, so I've talked about my mindset and growth. Now I want to talk about how journaling actually went. Um, 
the weekly spreads were very effective. So I added the task and goal section to my weekly layouts and they really helped me stay focused and grounded. It's so easy sometimes to get lost and wander off your path, especially with longer term projects. So I found those sections very helpful in my weekly spreads. And they're definitely something I'm going to carry forward. My husband helped me delineate between goals and tasks. He said anything you can break down into smaller steps or goals. And those steps are the tasks. So that helped me get my brain right. I had an issue with that I talked about last podcast. I also discussed uh, the last monthly update about changing my weekly layouts to start on Mondays because that's how I view my weeks. And this was wildly successful and I will never go back to the way I was doing it before. I love it like this. Okay, let's talk about the habit trackers because I am really having a love-hate relationship with my habit trackers. I cannot find a layout that I like. So last month I switched from a calendar layout to more of a grid layout where, you know, I numbered down the y-axis of the page and then across the top I wrote all the habits. So, and then I would just fill in the square at that day. I switched that layout. And so then I was going to focus on hitting the number, like the goal that I set. Like for instance, yoga, I wanted to do 20 days. So the, I hit those, I, I, broke it down. So I did the monthly goal, like 20 days of yoga. And then weekly, I would have a goal, like do four days, do five days, whatever. And I wrote that on my weekly spreads. And I had said last month that every goal I set for myself, I fell short by like two days. And maybe if I just tried a little harder, I would reach my monthly goal. Well, I tried a little bit harder and instead of falling short by two days, I only fell short by one day. So there's that. (laughs) That was really frustrating and a little soul crushing, if I'm honest. You know, I looked at the 31st where I did like nothing in any of my habits and I was like, Danny, you just squandered that if you had just tried a little bit harder. So for April, I used a completely different setup where I'm not even numbering. I just drew 30 circles under each habit and I'm just filling them in as I do the habit. And I'm going to be honest, I hate this layout already. And the reason that I hate it is because some days I can't remember whether I already filled it in or not. And since they're unnumbered, I I have no idea. I have no way of knowing. So I'm trying to keep an open mind and keep up with the habits and give this style a chance. So we'll see how that goes at the end of April. I also started in March a section to track my accomplishments. So I broke them down by each week. And as I completed things, I'd write them down. So at the end of the week, I could see everything I had gotten done. And I really like this. It's important for me to have a running list of my wins as it's very motivating for me, like I talked about in my last podcast. And I can just roll with that momentum. 
it's also kind of a reward to be able to write things down in that moment or immediately after they happen because otherwise I forget about them. I talked in my last update about my content planner and how I needed to see a calendar. So I incorporated one into my project spread and that did not really work as I anticipated, mostly because I was writing down items in pen, color coding them like I'd have podcast on the fifth and I'd highlight in purple to indicate that I needed to prepare the script. Well, this didn't work because it was too rigid. I didn't have a lot of space in the calendar to move items forward because the squares are kind of small. So I abandoned it like after two weeks. I started in April a new design where it's more of a chart with numbers down the page and I'm using pencil to write things in. So it gives me a little more flexibility this way. I used a calendar in my meal prep spread as well, and this one did work, and I think it worked because there wasn't really much to it. Like, I only cook one or two times, or probably two or three times a week, whereas with my content calendar, there was stuff every day, and it just got really crowded. I finished the bullet journal by writer Carol. I actually, in the last podcast, I was talking about how long the book was. It was like 400 pages and I was like, gosh, I hope it's all appendix. Well, right after I posted that, I think like the next day I got to the end of it. And yes, a lot of it was the appendix. So yay. Um, So I finished that book and one of the major things that stuck out to me was how there's a spread for everything. So I embraced that this month. We had St. Patrick's Day and Easter that required some planning in March. So I created a spread titled Fun and I planned things for these two days that I wanted to do for my daughter. I'm a procrastinator by nature. So breaking these things down into small groups and thinking about them weeks, small steps, not small groups, and thinking about them weeks in advance really took the stress off and made them really a lot of fun to plan and to execute. So we made a little leprechaun trap for St. Patrick's Day that my daughter adored and Easter was a resounding success as well. So I I just love that the bullet journal can be used for anything really serious like your financial tracking and career goal setting to fun things like a leprechaun trap. It's so versatile and that's just really appealing. My daughter also started soccer this month, so I made a spread for that to write down memories and her schedule and uh, our thoughts. And so I'm really looking forward to years from now going through my journals and seeing these types of memories. My grandfather passed away last year, and after we were finally able to have his funeral four months later, we went to the house afterwards where everything was getting cleared out for sale, and we were told to look through what was left and claim it if we wanted. My grandfather, I found in a cabinet, had a stack of old journals from like the 40s in his formal, in the formal living room that we were never allowed to go in. And I had never seen them. And so I kind of flipped through them 
And they were just little time capsules. He wrote what he did that day, the weather, when sunrise and sunset occurred. And I didn't take one. And I'm absolutely kicking myself because I'm certain they were just thrown away. And I wish I had grabbed at least one. I didn't even ask. Like, honestly, I felt a little weird about it. Like, hey, can I have a diary? Like, that's weird. But I'll never, I will always regret not doing it. So I hope maybe one day my journals kind of serve that purpose for my family and me. My theme for April is cherry blossoms. And again, I struggled with the setup partially because I was trying to do a plan with me. Um, and because of my mental block, I will say I'm surprised at how the creative aspect of the journal has kind of taken a backseat to the productivity aspect. It has, it's definitely facilitated creativity for me. Like I've been painting more than usual, but it's not quite the creative outlet that I anticipated or that it started off to be. So writer Carol talks about how the functionality should trump the art in your journal. And I have found that that occurred naturally in the process of journaling. Being too artistic can sometimes get in the way for me. So I'm dialing that back a little bit. I don't love how my April setup turned out. Like cherry blossoms were definitely out of my comfort zone, but it does the job and I've definitely learned something, which is I don't like drawing cherry blossoms. <laughs> One thing I am going to change this month is including the first couple of days of May in with the April weekly spread. I did that last month, um, you know, March ended on a Wednesday and I did a complete weekly spread for that, which included the first four days of April. And I'm not doing that again. I do like having full weekly spreads, but it kind of makes my eye twitch having April days in March. So this month, the last day of April is a Friday. So I might do a cute little mini weekly spread in May, just including those two days. I also added a thoughts spread where I want to start doing some actual journaling, like a diary. So we'll see how that turns out. I haven't used it much yet, but I've honestly just been so busy with life and trying to get back into my routine that I haven't had much time for even thinking, it feels like. Overall, I would say March was defined by some really awesome productivity followed by a crash and so far April has been me trying to recover from that. I'm embracing the experience because I know it's a normal part of life but it's quite new to me to recognize it and actively attempt to pull myself out of it. So I want to thank you all for joining me today. If you like the podcast and want to support my work, head on over to Substack and subscribe there. It's free for now and you'll get more of my thoughts right to your inbox. The link is in the description below. 
My podcast is going to be, the next one we'll be discussing The Bullet Journal by Ryder Carroll. Until then, I'm your host, Danny Kay, and this is my bullet journal journey.